I'm Adam Henson, and I've teamed up with Argria Pet Insurance to discuss everything you'll need to know about your beloved pets. Are you all ears? Now, summer will soon be in full swing, and warmer days means walks finally might not require a coat. Now, speaking of coats, this week, we're thinking about how we keep our canine companions in tip-top shape through what they eat. Yes, we're delving into all things pet food and nutrition. Now the sun is out, you might notice your dog's fur looking a little dull or even changes in their behavior with new distractions and smells that might make your curious buddy more difficult to train. Just like us humans, dogs need plenty of good nourishment to enable them to perform and feel their very best. So this episode delves into how we can be there to provide that for them. Today, we're joined by the brilliant Anna Webb, a broadcaster, nutritionist, and dog behavior expert. Anna regularly contributes to national TV and radio to talk all things canine. And whilst hosting our own podcast, A Dog's Life, where she investigates all aspects of modern dog ownership, with a lifelong passion for animal welfare, Anna is also ambassador for important charities such as All Dogs Matter. Plus, she writes columns for multiple dog and health magazines to share her valuable nutritional wisdom. Now, I'm sure you're just as curious as I am to learn about how our dogs' diets can help them thrive. So without further ado, let's get into the show. So, Anna, first thing I'm sure our listeners would like to know, how does the diet affect your pet? Oh, well, Adam, thank you. It's such an honor to be here. And um, I don't feel worthy to be here with you. It's amazing. I'm such a fan. I'm in awe. Um, how, well, how does diet affect? Well, in the same way as diet affects us. You know that old adage, you know, you are what you eat. So eating appropriately for your, your species, which, of course, as dogs are carnivores, means dogs should really consume quite a lot of meat, Adam. So what sort of things should we be looking for? Well, we should be looking for ingredients that um, contain animal protein. Dogs do need 10 essential proteins in their diet every day. And these proteins, they, they can be called amino acids, these are only found in meat. So they're not found in, in plants or lentils, for example. And one of the things that we hear quite a lot about is dog obesity. How much of a problem is that? Well, according to the latest statistics, you know, the nation is getting a bit porkier. I think both uh, people and their pets are getting porkier. And there's lots of reasons for this. I think people underestimate really the amount of exercise that dogs really do need. And giving the dogs the right sort of exercise, which is, for me, not about a short, fast, sort of furious walk where you're throwing a ball incessantly, but it's about exploring, going um, uphill, downhill, perhaps jumping over a few logs that you might find on, on your walk. But, you know, being aware as well of your dog's body score, which is kind of the shape of your dog. So when you look down at your dog, you, you really want to see the dog coming in at the back end. So a bit like, you know, Superman a little bit, whereas, sorry, Prudence is quite excited. Can you, can you hear her? I'm, I do apologise for this. So that's your dog bouncing around in the background, is it then? Yeah, it we is. We can't hear her, Anna. It's absolutely fine. It's lovely okay. to think that you're surrounded by dogs. Yes, it is. <laughs> Naughty ones as that. Well, thanks for sharing, Anna. That's, that's really interesting and brings me nicely on to what we've heard you talk about in the past is that dogs have been your best teacher. So 
what have you learned from them? And also, are there any sort of particular moments or memories that you'd like to share with us? Gosh, there's probably so many, but I think probably, you know, the impact dogs have had through lockdown, you know, for so many people. I can understand why through the pandemic um, ownership has soared unprecedentedly. But for me, you know, in lockdown, it's understanding that dogs don't mind that you're having a bad hair day. They never judge you. They are just honest, true and kind always. And I feel sometimes we don't raise the bar enough with our own activity. Like, for example, over lockdown, I would sometimes get quite stressed out with Zoom and things like this. And Prudence, my trusty miniature bull terrier um she she might not make the best pets of therapy dog I'll be I'll be honest because you know she'd sense and smell the rise in my cortisol levels and um then she'd just leave the room Adam as if to say right well I might come back in the room when you've gotten over yourself and you've calmed down a tad so from that I learned you know about perhaps being an emotional contagion to my own dog which is really really worrying but you know of course the way they give us uh, the gateway to the outdoors, they are our stress busters. And the fact that dogs, you know, every day they make you laugh. And I think there is a statistic, in fact, that says that um, people who own dogs, dog owners, are more likely to smile than non-dog owners. And I always say smiling uses less facial muscles than frowning. So dogs could be an alternative to Botox. <laughs> I have to agree with you. Um, not necessarily about the Botox, but, um, <laughs> but uh, that they are, you know, lovely creatures. I've grown up with them, had them around me all my life. And, you know, good day or bad day, they're there by your side, aren't they? And uh, encourage you to get out and exercise, you know, and, you know, they're just lovely creatures to calm you down and have around you. And I, I know when my late father passed away, you know, I'd sometimes walk around the farm and burst into tears and my dogs would just come rushing to my side. It, you know, they've got this inner sense, haven't they? They are just extraordinary creatures that I think as humans we're learning to use as companions but also as as tools in the workplace as well you know fire rescue service dogs all those sorts of sorts of of work as well for for those beautiful animals now Anna we've done some research and and looked at some of the most searched questions online um, surrounding pet nutrition and as you said you know a dog's nutrition is absolutely essential. You are what you eat as a person, and that is very similar in the dog. And we were wondering whether you could tell us the true facts about it all. So if I take you through some of the questions that we've um, found online. Now, for all our new owners, let's ask the first thing that they want to know. What should we be feeding a puppy? Well, as we know, puppies are growing and puppies grow extremely quickly. You know, by the time um, a puppy hits one, you know, people say they're about seven. You know, we're never quite sure on this ageing process. And science recently, you know, is offering different thoughts on that. But the old adage, as you'll remember, Adam, it's seven years of human years to one year of of a dog's life. So by the time they're one, you know, they're fully grown. So a lot of growing has to happen very quickly. So 
nutrition needs to be intense. It needs to be species appropriate. It needs to be packed full of animal fats for all their omegas to nourish their brain and their nervous system and lots of protein, you know, these essential amino acids to nourish bone growth, the muscle growth. And, and of course, there needs to be a lot of calcium to enrich the bones and help create the collagen in, in all of the joints to make the dog biologically and physiologically sound. So when you're going out to look for a suitable food to feed your puppy, essential then to be looking at the labels, I assume. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a bit like, you know, in human terms, recently, we've really been encouraged to look at the labels. And a lot of food brands now have got like a traffic light system on them, I think, you know, um, to give you a heads up on the fat content and the calories, etc, to help with, you know, human obesity. But similarly with dogs, you know, to look at what the ingredients actually are, you know, and if you might not understand what a particular ingredient is, you know, you might be like, oh, don't understand that. Maybe, you know, hedge your bets for a bit. Maybe go home and Google it. But yes, it's all about species appropriate. And for me, fresh and functional food. And so when you're thinking about training and using treats, would, would that be easier training a puppy with treats? Almost definitely. You know, I mean, the way training is now, it's not at all about coercion and force or anything like that. It's all about turning your dog's world into a game based on rules and teamwork. So using food, a little nice tasty treat to lure your puppy initially. Yes, that is a little bit bribery and corruption. But when you're training a sit, for example, just hold a treat, literally try and glue it onto your puppy's nose and tip the puppy's head backwards and plop the bottom hits to the floor. And then what I like to do is offer a marker, which you can use a clicker. But generally for most people, I just like to use a thumb up because in dog language, of course, you must understand that it's body language that they understand. And speech is hot air really to a dog so it's about giving a clear verbal cue sit a hand signal plop the puppy's bottom on the ground thumb up and then you give the treat it's great advice and and i have to say you know in our household there's there's four of us and it's important you all stick to the same process and rules isn't it oh without doubt consistency 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 um what about um raw dog foods tell me about those Well, it's a booming sector. Raw is something I've opted to feed now for over 20 years. As for me, you know, with a nutrition hat on, I... Look, I don't even own a microwave, Adam. So I I like to eat fresh, whole foods as a way of nourishing my own body. And I transfer those thoughts into my dogs. And I'm vegetarian but I would never dream of making my dogs vegetarian or vegan, for example, only because I do believe that their digestive system is, it's short, it's very acidic, uh, and it is designed to digest meat very, very, very efficiently. So raw for me is obviously unprocessed, and it's so easy to feed now because it can arrive at your door, you know, deep frozen, uh, and all you need is a freezer, and then you literally, you know, thaw, and serve as you need. You need to be quite organised, don't you? 
Well, you see, I'm not a massive fan of cooking. So for me personally, I can't think of anything simpler. Yes, you have to think, okay, so we need to thaw out tomorrow's food. That's one thing to think about, really. And then literally it's pop it in the bowl and serve. And, you know, normally there's nothing left in that bowl. So it's very easy. And then I just pop the bowls back in the fridge. Empty. It's interesting. Interesting you mentioned an empty bowl. It is important, isn't it, that they, that they eat up their food. How do you get around fussy eaters? Well, that's a very good question, actually. My first miniature bull terrier was desperately fussy. And I learned from Molly, my first miniature bull terrier, who taught me loads. We were talking about that earlier. You know, every dog, as you know, Adam, in your life, is a complete individual. And every dog will teach you a different set of, of behaviours that you have to overcome. They've all got their quirks. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect dog or, or a perfect human, really, you know. So Molly taught me all about fussy eaters. And I have to admit, I was that person that started to cook up some mints, cook up some more chicken. No, I don't want mints tonight. Right, right, Molly, what are we going to have? I know, let's thaw this chicken breast and we'll quickly deep fry it and we'll add a bit more extra oil. And honestly, I would mess around with her diet so much trying to find something that she would actually like that unwittingly way back then in 2002 I created a fussy eater so it's very important I think to make a meal out of meal times by that I mean so you get your dog excited about a meal time you know this is in my view twice a day when you have to feed your dog that it's a perfect time to build in some training you know, let's maximise this wonderful ritual twice a day. So get Fido in a lovely sit. You've got the bowl on the kitchen counter. They can smell it. You know, you're exuding over it. Delicious. Yum. Put it on the floor. The dog must hold the sit. The dog must then look up at you. And then you offer the release command to go take the food. So it's really controlled. So you're training the sit stay. You're training a head up to look at you. And you're going through your release command. All done. Or take it. Or okay. Go eat. All these things could be used. So it's this whole big mealtime excitement. Now, if your dog sort of only eats half of it, don't panic. But don't leave it on the the floor for the dog to graze on. I'm not a great fan of leaving food for the dogs to nibble on through the day, as that's another way of creating picky eaters. Eaters, because I know what I'm like, I'm a grazer. I might have a little bit of hummus and a little bit of this, you know, whatever. And then come dinner time, I'm like, oh, I'm not actually sure what I've eaten today. Have I eaten a lot or not? So you want to keep meal times to meal time. So if they don't finish their bowl, that's fine. They maybe didn't want to eat it all. So pop it back into the fridge and then represent it at dinner time, by which time I'm sure they're going to be hungry and they'll eat it all up. So I think unwittingly you can create fussy eaters. So with my dogs, I feed them once a day. Um, would you advocate twice a day or once a day? Well, interestingly, with Molly, my first bull terrier, back then in 2002, most people did feed once a day. And then, you know, new school of thoughts come out, you know, nutrition is a field that's changing daily, absolutely daily, which is why it's so interesting that perhaps it's best to split their daily allocation of food 
okay, into two smaller meals to keep their sugar levels a bit more balanced through the day. But every dog, again, is different. So once a day, it worked fine for Molly, you know, so I think that's fine, Adam. Good. I, I didn't want to be getting it wrong. I thought I'm, I only learned it from my father, so it might be just old news, but uh, maybe I'll stick to what I'm doing. We all need a little help to be a great pet parent. So for those times when your four-legged best friend needs some extra care, Lifetime Insurance from Argria is there for you and for them. With up to £12,500 of vet fees cover every year, Argria's dog and cat lifetime policies have been recognised as which best buys. So whatever's around the corner, take the worry away and let Argria protect your special bond. Visit argriapet.co.uk for your quote and use the promo code EARS, E-A-R-S, for your first month free and a luxury hamper for your pet. Being a, a wonderful nutritionist, and obviously, you know, as people, we're told to be careful about what we eat, whether it's additives or preservatives or colorings and those sorts of things that may not be very good to us, well, affects our behavior and our energy levels. Is it similar for dogs? Absolutely, it is. You know, we are what we eat, and dogs aren't that great at digesting plant-based foods. So in the wild, dogs may well, I mean, you've probably seen your dogs nick a blackberry off a blackberry bush because it sort of fuels their natural scavenging. Dogs are scavengers, so they can eat anything. You know, a dog will eat a plate full of mince pies, <laughs> scoff it, you know, with relish, and then 12 hours later, they'll find themselves, you know, perhaps on a drip at a vet's because we all know that Ray are potentially very toxic to a dog's kidneys. So, but dogs will still also eat a box of chocolates given half a chance. So it's important for us pet parents and guardians to, you know, keep them away from chocolate boxes and mince pies, but to, to feed them with foods that nourish them at a cellular level. And I, I sometimes feel... You know, for us pet owners, when you're in the shops trying to choose the food, there's ones that are shapes of bones and they're blues and oranges and yellows. And actually, it doesn't matter to the dog. That's almost like it's been trying to be sold to us rather than for the benefit of the animal. Well, absolutely. I mean, blue is a colour you don't often see in very many human foods. And actually, you know, dogs can't really see in the same way as we do with colours anyway. So it isn't for the benefit of the dog. And I would just say, you know, be mindful of additives and preservatives, just as we are on a human level now. You know, this is being talked about a lot. There's a lot of hidden sugars in, in human foods and the same goes for dogs. So if there's anything in the ingredients that you might be confused about, I'd recommend pausing and opting either for something more natural or, you know, investigating what that really means for your dog. And for those preservatives and additives, they can be harmful to the animal or affect its behaviour. Well, yes, and there's a lot of science that does actually, you know, connect behaviour to what you eat. But it's exactly the same as it is in people, you know. We get sugar highs if we eat a lot of sugar. I'm guilty. It gets to that five o'clock and I think, oh, I must just get on with a bit more. I know I'll have a bit of chocolate. And you get that boost, but then that goes and you get a trough. So if dogs are eating, you know, a heavily sugary or starch-based diet, they are more difficult to train. 
So because they will go up in their mood and down in their mood, sugar high, sugar low. So it's important to keep dogs on an even keel, really, which is we're feeding a natural diet without these preservatives or on a more natural diet rather than an overly processed one, for me, is the way to go. Yeah, very good advice. Fascinating. Thank you. So let's talk about um, obesity in dogs. You mentioned it uh, earlier about, you know, that, that, that it is a bit of a, a problem. What can people do then really to just keep their dogs in good shape? Well, I think people need to be aware that dogs do need more exercise than I think a lot of people do give them. Also, you know, owners do need to be aware that through a dog's life stages, you need to adapt a dog's life. So when they're, you know, a puppy or training, one mistake a lot of people do with their puppies is to think, right, I must socialise my puppy. So I'm going to take uh, him or her to the park and let her run around with all the other puppies and go bananas and jump and get pushed over and roll and all of these things, which looks great fun, of course, to the pet parents. But what people are unaware of is that tiny micro lesions could be happening to muscles and to their joints. And of course, puppies are growing. And you'd never ask your toddler to run the London Marathon, for example. But actually, pet parents are, you know, expecting their, their dogs that are growing to run and jump and bound that can cause problems later in life. So, if we're looking to keep obesity at a low level through the dog's life, you really need to be making sure the dog stays as mobile and non-arthritic for as long as possible so that you can, of course, prolong the dog's life, really, and happiness and well-being, you know, because dogs need to go out. Dogs love enrichment. And there's nothing better, of course, you know, than being out walking your dog. So, you know, I, I spend quite a lot of attention, particularly with Prudence, because she is a bit of a natural, clumsy type of dog in keeping her you know joints sound so for example I've got wood floors but I've got rugs on them that don't slip because dogs like to feel very sure underfoot and something I see a lot when I do home visits and I point it out every single time you know Adam is with all this slippy laminate floor that looks lovely and I know it's easy to keep clean and so on but you notice dogs slip and slide and they're playing fetch on this laminate floor and the dog's legs are going woo all over the place and I'm saying to them no 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 dogs like to feel secure underfoot and that can help with behavior as well because you know when you're walking on ice you're feeling a bit oh crumbs a bit nervous I don't want to fall over so a dog that's slightly anxious I often say it could be due to the fact it's feeling unsure underfoot and put some nice rugs down but it's also understanding your dog's body score and that's very important so when you look down at your dog if your dog's a little bit oblong in shape maybe you need to cut back on the portion size you know maybe instead of putting a little bit of cheese into a kong for example replace that with a little bit of apple you know think about using training treats that are low calorie carrot little blueberries i love chopped apple because it's you know it doesn't go mushy in your pocket and that way you can cut calories down but you're also adding some you know key nutrients vitamin c minerals and vitamins into the dog's diet as well Thank you. That, that's really, really interesting stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes I think, you know, as people, we think, oh, by feeding our dogs more, we're doing them a favour. And actually, if we're making them obese and less able to get around, it, uh, it, it's probably crueler than it is kind. And that often comes with offering treats from the table. You did just 
touch on raisins and chocolate. What would be your advice about giving dogs human food? Well, it depends what the human food is, Adam. You know, if it's a, a bit of a boiled egg, you know, thumb up, you know, bit of a steak, thumb up, you know. But generally, we need boundaries with our dogs. And I think that's something as well. People, new pet owners particularly, are a bit perhaps afraid of doing you know so when you've got a dinner party or you're you're eating a meal really you don't want the dog you know hovering around your feet you know barking demanding attention you want to have a nice meal you know so I like my dogs to sit in their dog bed if I'm eating my my meal so there's a clear boundary otherwise in the minute you offer a dog a tidbit from the table I'm afraid you've gone and done it that's it you know because dogs aren't stupid at all of course they'll be like well, that was good. I'm going to do that again. Fantastic. And more and more, we're going out with our dogs. We're going to pubs. We're going to restaurants. We're going to cafes. I mean, dog friendly, certainly in London, is massive. I feel sorry, actually, for people who maybe don't like dogs or maybe are a bit allergic now because, well, certainly around here, there's no way you can't go with your dog, which is fantastic. But when you're in those sorts of places in public, you need your dog to be well behaved. You don't want your dog sat beside somebody barking because, they've ordered a beef burger and I've got a vegan burger and it's like well that person's burgers I'm digressing so tidbits from the table is a no-no that is all fascinating stuff let's just um bring that down and then a little bit what would be your sort of top tips for nutrition when it comes to owning a pet just give us some highlights Highlights. Okay. Well, again, I keep going on about this phrase, species appropriate. So remember that your dog is biologically and physiologically designed to be a primary carnivore. So watch out for those complex carbohydrates in your diet. Look at the packaging, you know, read the labels as you would for your own food. And if there are some ingredients on there that, you know, you're not clear what they are, maybe pause, you know, either go back, Google it or opt for another packet. Think about treating your dogs, but think about low calorie options that are fresh, apple, you know, I love banana and I love to put a little bit of banana, for example, in a Kong and it keeps the dog busy for ages. So you're offering enrichment as well as a tasty snack. So you're killing two birds with one stone, a bit of training along with nutrition. Great. Thank you very much, Anna. And thank you for joining us today. I'm sure the All Ears listeners are feeling both inspired and enlightened, just like I am. I've learned a huge amount. Thank you. Now, before we go, please, can you tell us where we can find out more about training and nutrition and how our listeners could get in touch for consultation if they need to? Wow, that's very kind of you to say. Well, my website's a good place to start. So there's lots of information on there. There's lots of snips as well from my podcast, um, A Dog's Life, that's streaming on all platforms. There's lots of great episodes about both training and and nutrition and much, much more actually on there. But yes, um, my website is annaweb.co.uk and you can email me through there and I'd be delighted to help. Great. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. Thank you again, Anna. A big thanks to you all for listening to the third episode of All Ears. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review, and let us know if there's anything you'd like to know. You can also follow Argria on its social channels at ArgriaPat, or visit them at www.argriapat.co.uk. 